Seems like we live in a, an increasingly polarized society. If you look around our world, if you look around our nation, if you look around our communities, you will find divisions on a number of issues, whether it's race relations or gun rights or taxes or the definition of marriage or the economy or religious liberty, all sorts of things that polarize us as a country, as communities. One thing, though, we need to realize is none of these are new. They've all been around for centuries. And people will say, well, but it's never been as bad as it is right now. Well, maybe, maybe not. I think none of us really lived through all those centuries, so we really don't know. And everything kind of seems relative. But we're not here today to debate whether things are more polarized than they were a hundred years ago, and, and we're not even here today to talk about those issues that I mentioned earlier. Basically, what we just need to do is agree that there is polarization in society and that those issues are issues that, that polarize us. But today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at how we as God's people are to live in a society that's becoming increasingly polarized. To do that, I want to look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3 gives us a lot of guidance in finding out how we as God's people need to act in this type of environment. James tells us three things, and the first one is this, that wisdom and understanding are about how we live, not just about what we know. James chapter 3 verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James' question about who is wise and understanding among you can really be taken two ways. The first way it can be taken is, as a professing Christian, do you consider yourself to be wise and to have understanding? The second way you can look at it is since there are so many opinions out there, and everybody's putting forth an opinion related to the issues that we just talked about, then as a professing believer, how do you know which person you should follow and which voices you should listen to? There's a key point in what James says, and it's this. Our works show where our hearts are invested. Our works show where our hearts are invested. James, in chapter 2, says that faith without works is dead. In other words, your works, your actions, what you do, will show if, where your heart is invested. And if your heart is invested in what you claim to believe. Here, really what he's saying is essentially this. If your wisdom and your understanding are simply knowledge, absent living a good life with good deeds done with humility, then your wisdom and understanding are pretty much dead as well. So, do you want to know if you're wise? And do you want to know if you're an agent of unity or an agent of polarization in society? And do you want to know who to follow amidst all the voices that are out there and all these issues? The answer to both questions is simple. Look at your deeds. Look at their deeds. Look at what you do. Look at what they do. 
That's how you know. That's how you know. If, if you really want to be an agent of unity, and if you really want to know whom to follow, look at their works. But also, James says, don't forget the attitude. Because basically a wise life will not only display goodness, but it will also display humility. And God works, or good works rather, that lack humility are pretty much useless as well. Wise person is not necessarily the loudest person. They're not necessarily the most charismatic person. They're not necessarily the most persuasive person. And just because the person is right does not necessarily make them wise either. It's all about attitude and about actions. Here are some practical applications for this. You know, a person might be correct in pointing out injustice in society. But the fact that they recognize it and even the fact that they have the courage to point it out does not make them a wise person. The wisdom comes in their actions that follow their revelation and in the actions that they encourage other people to follow. A person may be correct in pointing out sin in society, but the fact that they're able to point out the sin, in fact, that they have the courage to point it out, does not make them wise. The wisdom comes in their actions that follow and in the actions that they encourage other people to take. A person may be admirable for taking up some great cause to help the poor. But recognizing the need, recognizing that there are poor people in the world, does not make a person wise. The wisdom comes when they humbly carry out the act, the actions, without drawing attention to themselves. A lot of people will get involved in a lot of causes. But some people do it for themselves. And James is saying here, look, you need to do it with humility, not to draw attention to yourselves. So just think about those things. The, the, second, things that James, the second thing that James tells us is that there are only two kinds of wisdom. Only two kinds of wisdom. There's godly wisdom and there's worldly wisdom. Very simple to tell the difference. Godly wisdom comes from one source. It comes from God. Worldly wisdom is wisdom that comes from anywhere else. And it takes a whole lot of different forms. Godly wisdom comes from God alone. Worldly wisdom comes from a whole bunch of different places. And you'll notice as we go through this that neither one talk a whole lot about what you know. It's about what you do. We want to look at worldly wisdom first. James chapter 3. Verse 14, it says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Look at the words that he uses to describe worldly wisdom. He says that it's earthly. It doesn't come from above. It comes from right here. He says it's unspiritual. It originates in the natural realm, not in the spiritual realm. And it's sensual. 
And what it often does, it often produces knee-jerk reactions and situations that are based solely on emotion. And then he says they're demonic. It's very simple. They come from the devil himself. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And you might even notice that James puts wisdom in quotation marks. It's really not wisdom at all. So, how does worldly wisdom show itself? James says it shows in bitter envy. Not just being a little jealous, not just being a little envious. It's a bitter thing. It's sharp. It's pungent. And he talks about selfish ambition. And selfish ambition, as it's used here, has a real interesting meaning because it relates to factions Factions and party splits. And then boasting. When we talk about boasting, we usually talk about boasting in something. Here, he's talking about boasting against something. And they're boasting against the truth. And then lying is another way. Basically deceiving someone intentionally. And he says, where you find all of these things, where you find bitter envy and selfish ambition and boasting and lying, not only are they earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, but here's what you'll find. He says you'll find disorder. In this context, means unstable, volatile, disorderly. And in case he couldn't think of it all or didn't have room to write it down, he says, and every evil Practice, the catch-all for the absence of righteousness. Man. But now listen to the contrast. Here's godly wisdom. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. He contrasts worldly wisdom, which he says is not real wisdom at all, with godly wisdom. And the difference is stark. The foundation of godly wisdom comes from heaven itself. God's wisdom is not something that we can create. It's not something that we can discover. Rather, it's something that God reveals to us. We can seek it, but God reveals it to us. We don't just come to an understanding in ourselves. Godly wisdom, the overarching characteristic is purity. The idea of innocence or pure and blameless Before God, the writer of Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And and the person that he's talking about here is someone who is pure, but someone who recognizes God in their life. He says it's also characterized by being peace-loving. Peace-loving, which means a desire to reconcile rather than to alienate. And it's amazing when he talks about considerate, the idea that the Greek word here talks about someone who has the right to seek retribution. Someone who's been wronged and has the right to seek retribution, but chooses not to. And then full of mercy and good fruit. Someone who is gracious and kind and someone who has the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, which Scripture tells us are love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says that God's wisdom is impartial. God's wisdom has no prejudices or stereotypes. God's wisdom is sincere, absent of hypocrisy, and it's genuine. And what's the result? In verse 18, he says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Worldly wisdom produces conflict. But godly wisdom leads to godly lives. In fact, it produces others who are different from us or from the rest of the world. What a stark contrast. What a stark contrast between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. But the third thing that James tells us here is that there are only two ways to look at the world. Since there are only two kinds of wisdom, there are only two ways to look at the world. Using worldly wisdom, where you will find disorder and evil practices, or using godly wisdom, peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Which one of these two that we have talked about do you think stands the better chance of ending the polarization that we have in society? Worldly wisdom or godly wisdom? It's pretty obvious. Which one, though here's the big question, which one do you subscribe to in your life? Which one do you practice? And here's another question. Those that you follow, those that you listen to, those that you respect, those whose books you read and speeches that you listen to, those that you follow on Facebook and Twitter that you respect, what do they represent? Worldly wisdom or godly wisdom? We're not splitting hairs here. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious which is which. In a polarized society, one of the things that we need to be aware of as God's people is that we live in a society where everybody doesn't understand us. Everybody doesn't believe in Christ. Everybody doesn't understand Christianity. That's just a given. Now, it would be easy for us to say, well, since that's the case, what's the use? But what it tells us is that we need to be patient with people who are outside the faith. But it also tells us that we need to be faithful and careful and consistent in presenting the truth. It doesn't mean we quit presenting the truth. It doesn't mean we compromise anything. But what it means is that we're just faithful and consistent and careful when we do it. But then we also need to pray that God will open the eyes of those who don't understand, particularly those who practice worldly wisdom. We need to pray that God will open their eyes because what we have come to the misconception of, we have a misconception rather, that we, through our words and through our great powers of persuasion, are going to change people. And what we need to realize is, we don't change anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that changes people. And so what we need to do is, we need to present the truth faithfully and consistently. We need to present it in a loving way. But we need to realize that our arguments are not what changes the heart of someone else. It's the Holy Spirit 
who comes in. It's the enlightening work of the Holy Spirit. In the course of our lives as Christians, we're commanded to live in such a way that we want to portray godly wisdom. Scripture over and over and over and over is consistent that the way God wants us to live is in a way that portrays godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. But what about everyone else? I mean, there are a lot of folks out there who, as I said before, aren't believers. They don't believe in Christ. They, don't, they think we're crazy. And they really don't know the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. But how can you miss such a stark contrast? So there is a message here. There is a message here, whether you're a believer or not. And if you're not a believer... If you're not, if a Christian or a non-Christian, if you're an atheist, if you're an agnostic, if you're a man or a woman, Republican or Democrat, black, white, Asian, Muslim, gay, straight, young, old, rich, poor, middle class, liberal, conservative, or independent. There's a message here for you as well. God lays it out pretty plainly. The difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And so if you're not a believer... I would challenge you today to really think hard, to really look at these passages of Scripture, to really see the contrast, and then to realize in your own lives that it's not who's the loudest, it's not who's the most eloquent, it's not who maybe has the best argument, it's not who's the most passionate, it may not even be the person that's right. We need to, in the middle of all the confusion, we need to learn to ask and learn to discern the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And to really come to grips, which one do we really think is going to end polarization and bring people closer together? Not worldly wisdom. We've tried worldly wisdom for centuries and centuries and centuries. And it doesn't appear to have worked very well. But it's produced exactly what Scripture says it will produce. And I believe that godly wisdom, if we practice it, will produce exactly what God says that it will produce as well. For those of us who are believers, we are representatives of Jesus Christ. And I want to just give you a quote here. It says, The truly wise person demonstrates his or her understanding of Christ by the way he or she lives. You demonstrate your understanding of Christ by the way that you live. Don't give people the wrong portrayal of who Christ is by the way that you live your life. Use the wisdom that comes from God. Apply that in your life. Apply that in your relationship. Apply that in situations. Apply that in your world. And you'll see a difference. The people who practice worldly wisdom 
are the people that we want to be, that we need to be, but also the people that, pra- the pra- people that practice godly wisdom are the people that we need to be. The people that practice godly wisdom are also the people that we need to follow. Let's pray.